Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Today is February 6, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page four in the Bill story, beginning with the first full paragraph that begins with abruptly in October 1929. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Jane S., The Twelve Traditions, Mary Agnes Y., and reading the literature today are Christine M., Leanne W., and Lisa B. The Share ID, ID number for February 5th, 2017, our special edition meeting is 9572. 9572. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jane S. to please read the 12 Steps. Good morning. This is Jane S. from New Hampshire. Um, I am grateful to be here. Uh, I am definitely a compulsive overeater. And here are the 12 Steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious 
contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, thank you, everyone, for your service, and thanks for letting me share. I pass. And thank you, Jane S. I will now ask Mary Agnes Y. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Mary Agnes Y., a compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters in affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Three, five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And thank you, Mary Agnes Y. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature. Then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the Bill story on page 4, beginning with the first full paragraph. Abruptly, in October 1929, we'll be reading two paragraphs ending, This Time We Stay Broke. The first paragraph is read for context, and comments focus on the second paragraph only. I will now ask Christine M. to begin reading. Yes, good morning, everyone. My name is Christine M., recovered in Missouri, compulsive overeater. Um, abruptly in October 1929, hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. After one of those days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was 8 o'clock, five hours after the market closed. The ticker still clattered. I was staring in an inch of the tape which bore the inscription XYZ32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished and so were many friends. The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. My friends had dropped several millions since 10 o'clock. So what? Tomorrow was another day. As I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. Next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left and thought that I had better go to Canada. By the following spring, we were living in our accustomed style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba. No St. Helena for me, but drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time we stayed broke. Yes, um, and what really stands out to me this morning is in these, especially these first eight pages of this story, um, um, I know we're on page four, but the first eight pages, you know, just see the progression of his, of his drinking, you know, the progression of this disease and um, how he tried to look for, you know, um, value and, um, you know, tried to look through, um, look to money and applause and, you know, his pride and his ego and, you know, all those external things, the same things that I tried to look for, um, and it was never a solution to my compulsive overeating, you know. Um, things, I tried to make things look really, really good on the outside, and, uh, but on the inside, spiritually, I was very, very sick. And um, eventually, things on the outside didn't look good either because um, it reflected how, how I was doing on the inside. Um, and then it talks about, you know, but talks about that drinking had caught up with him again. And that's the way it was for me. It was like I would try to outrun it and outthink it and outdo it and outsmart it and all these things. And this is a deadly disease, and, and I couldn't do any of those things. I tried really hard, but um, none of that worked for me. It wasn't until that I put the food down and took step one 100% and um, made a decision to work these steps and do what this book suggests and do it the way the first 100 did it, that um, I was able to to get a relationship with a power greater than myself. And um, today, you know, money and all that stuff is great, but um, 
you know, the outside looking good, that doesn't equal being recovered, you know. Um, I'm in a position of neutrality with food today, and that's, that's priceless, you know, and I have, um, I have a beautiful network of people and an awesome, loving, uh, all-powerful, higher power that uh, loves me no matter what, um, no matter what my past looks like and, 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 or anything. And so, you know, this is something that um, I, I just can't outdo. And for a long time I tried. And um, I cried my ego said, you know what, you're, you're better than this, you're stronger than this, and you can, it's just food, so you can, um, you, you can get a handle on this. But I never could. Um, it's deadly, and um, I am so grateful to be recovered today and grateful to be on this line. And I'm also grateful for everyone who shares on this line. Thank you so much, and have a blessed day, and I pass. And thank you, Christine. And, and comments will be focused on the second paragraph that was read. Who would like to comment for approximately three minutes? names. One at a time, please. I'm not. I'm not catching the names this morning. Larry. I did hear Larry K. I heard Tina S. Kathy K. Kathy. Oh, Kathy K. Kathy K. Yeah. Kim G. Kim G. I heard Kim G. Hiya L. I heard a Hiya L. I believe. No, do L. Oh, do L. Okay, thank you, do. And Hiya F. Hiya F. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, this is who I have. Well, my ears are broken this morning. Apologize. I have Larry K, Tina S, Kathy K, Kim G, Du L, and Hyatt S. Good morning, Larry K. Good morning, Santa. Can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Okay, good morning. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, um, recovered compulsive overeater uh, from Chicago. I'll set my timer here. The, um, what we read here, um, again, more, more pride. Um, and, and he's here, Bill, saying, you know, he, uh, he headed to Montreal there and he moved to Canada. And by the following spring, we were living in our custom style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba. No St. Helena for me. But drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time we stayed broke. You know, here, you know, Napoleon was exiled to, uh, to Elba, and, and he, he was forced to abdicate his throne back in the, the 1814, I believe it was. And, and then, you know, he assembled a group of his uh, men, and, and he, tried to, uh, uh, he tried to come back. And this time, uh, the European powers were not going to take any chances on him, you know, Napoleon's possible return. So they exiled him to the island of St. Helena. It was a barren, windswept rock located in the South Atlantic Ocean. So, you know, what I see here and what I can learn from here is, you know, this, this idea of pride. You know, you know this, this he had a healthy, uh, not so healthy, I should say, self-worth, and, and he took his pride and his achievements and so forth. And I can certainly identify in with that. 
and valued his accomplishments, and he was going to turn this stuff around himself. And I always tried to do the same thing. But, you know, invariably, uh, obviously, uh, liquor caught up with him, and, and, and he was mandated to pick up again, as I was, again and again. And unless, unless Bill, you know, had a, an entire psychic change, a complete spiritual awakening, you know, he was going to repeat those same things, same things just as I was. And, you know, the, the suffering is generated when we cling too tightly to the things that, you know, that, you know, that uh, these, 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 these difficult things. He, he clung too tightly to his own um, self-knowledge, his own worth, his own desire to make changes. And, and I did the same thing. And, you know, invariably, eventually, thank goodness, um, you know, the disease beat me into a state of reasonableness and, you know, I, I surrendered. I surrendered. I threw up the white flag and, and I was done. And, and, and that's where we needed to be. That's where, Bill, we'll see more descent into the hell of this disease for Bill. But for, it takes what it takes. And some of us, you know, some of us are able to, uh, to surrender and then be open to a power greater than ourselves through these steps. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. And good morning, Tina S. Thanks, Santa. Uh, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. And uh, thanks so much for the previous shares. I, uh, you know, I so could relate to this, too. You know, we talk about the pride. And, you know, and I, for a very, very long time, had prided myself on my intellect and my self-will. You know, um, I was a great dieter until I wasn't. You know that was that's just the truth, and I and I always thought that somehow, some way, someday that I could you know overcome this thing on my own, and, and I and I tried every every avenue you know, and the last thing that I tried for me you know I went to treatment and I heard this thing called uh, um, anorexia and not eating you know so hey let me just try this and so where that got me was broke for sure you know I was in a place where I could not think you know and. Uh, and I was just willing to do whatever. You know, I, I love what I heard. You know, you know, I, I was just done. I was beaten into a state of reasonableness, and, and I was ready to have something bigger than me, whatever that was. You know, at the beginning, I was like, whatever that is, you know, to help me, you know, and, and to let me be in a place of being willing to do what worked, you know. And so one day at a time, you know, I, I – suited up and I showed up and I did what people told me to do. Not that I liked it, but I did it anyway. And through the process, through the transformation, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I know today, as long as I keep doing this thing, as long as I keep giving it away, I'm going to keep getting it. And, and, and I want to continue to do that. And so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Tina S. And good morning, Kathy K. Thank you, Sandra. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. This is Kathy Kay, recovered from Boston. And, uh, wow, this paragraph reminds me of how unable I was and unwilling I was to really let go of the symbols of achievement that kept me in false pride for so many years. And I, I know today that the first 10 years I was in OA, I did not surrender. I did not look for a power greater than myself. And in fact, I used each successive accolade or achievement 
as uh, an excuse um, for continuing to live the way I was living, yet never getting permanent abstinence or recovery or a psychic change. So for me, this paragraph reminds me um, that uh, not only do I have to listen to Bill's story, but I really have to take heed and be cautious um, of the many ways in which life can tempt me. Even today, even today, I have to remember that my recovery comes first, um, and that uh, those temptations to receive accolades for what I do in the world can really distract me from working the 12 steps on a daily basis. And I'm just so grateful that we're reading this again because every time we read Bill's story, I see more and more of myself and I'm reminded more and more of my own vulnerability if I don't stay close to God. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kathy K. And good morning, Kim G. Good morning, Santa, my fellow Jersey girl. This is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, I love this. And I'm so glad that Christine pointed out this is the progression getting worse and worse. You know, this is the roller coaster ride of being a compulsive overeater, a real compulsive overeater. So we go from the fierce determination to win came back to drinking caught up with me again in just one paragraph. You know, I think to myself in my, my area, it's very common to have these things called relapse and recovery meetings because of people relapsing over and over. But I had to look at the fact that what is recovery? If recovery is the 12 steps, and I'm not doing the 12 steps, but I'm just going on a diet and off a diet, what does that really mean that's happening? Because Bill right now has no solution. So what I really see is the progression of the illness. And I think of page 30, where it says, we alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. This is a progressive illness. So that was my experience in an Overeaters Anonymous for many years. I would come in and I would rely on the fellowship, which was very powerful. And in the beginning, that was enough. I could stay abstinent. You know, I could use certain tools. I could use this human aid. And it would work till it didn't work. So what I was experiencing was not relapse and recovery. What I was experiencing was the progression of the illness, which allowed me to have less control and, and more times of, of relapse. You know, for me personally, when I came into OA, I had six years of back-to-back -back abstinence. And then I purposely picked up. This is how insane I am. Because I was asked to run for World Service Trustee. I don't know how to say no. So therefore, I picked up thinking that would disqualify me when I would just get back on track. What I didn't realize is the disease had progressed so much that I could never get eight or nine months after that. And then I couldn't get eight or nine weeks. And then I couldn't get eight or nine days. And then I couldn't get eight or nine hours. If you asked me how long I was abstinent, I could tell you down to the minute, absolute minute, that I, last time I had a bagel because it was so painful. And the reason I'm sharing that is because last week I had six years of recovered abstinence. 
And let me tell you, I have been contently abstinent for six years. I have to think about when my asked how long I've been abstinent because I work these these steps vigorously, and therefore my abstinence is effortless. So that is what it, that's what I want to stress today. This what we're talking about now is the progression of the illness. If you've been experiencing that in Ovaries Anonymous the way I did, is recognize that if you are only relying on fellowship and tools, the disease will continue to progress. But if you're willing to put the food down, grab a recovered hand, and walk through these steps, you too can experience contented abstinence day after day after day. And with that, I pass. Okay, and congratulations, Kim G. And thank you. And next we'll have Do L. Good morning, Santa. A lot of excitement this morning on the line. So it's a great theme. <laughs> so this is Do um, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Um, grateful to be here. Um, yeah, I see here, you know, uh, this the fierce and and the the old fierce determination and. You know, when I'm in disease, um, that's what I have. I have a lot of tenacity. I have a lot of determination. I have a lot of self-will, a, self, a lot of self-reliance, and a lot of self-determination. And, you know, and that's what Bill had. He had a lot of self-determination. You know, he was not going to give up at, at any cost. And he wanted to get what he wanted, when he wanted, and how he wanted it. And, you know, one of the things is when I run out of options, I, I start looking for bailout. And that's what he did. He looked for a bailout. Um, he went to his friend in Montreal, and he thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get back. And, and so he did. You know, he, he caught up, you know, to where he wanted to be, financially successful. He was back at his accustomed lifestyle. But the thing is, if you're a true compulsive overeater, if you're a true alcoholic, that's not going to last too long. Because self-determination, self-will, has part of it is the physical aspect. The, the physical aspect will always lead you back to more and more of your disease. And then we always forget the, the greater aspect, which is the mental obsession, right? He was trying to seek refuge in the bottle, but but also the mind is the problem, right? Because it keeps us from seeing the truth and consequences. We don't believe, you know, that um, the belief is that, that we believe the lie, that we can control it, that things will get better, that if I try and that I um, determine myself, you know, then things will get better. And that's the lie because this disease will pummel you into a state of reasonableness. It will, it will bring you to a state of bankruptness. And, you know, and that's what I see with Bill's story is that he's getting bankrupt. He had that moment in St., uh, you know, where he says that he was like in like the Napoleon in St. Elba where he, he became the ruler of Elba, right? He was, he was exiled from France because they wanted him out of the way. But then, you know, he returned, you know, to be, um, he's, he's saying that he didn't want to be in St. Helena where he was exiled for the rest of his life. You know, but that's the truth. That's where we go to. We go to that bankrupt place of St. Helena. We're not, we're not coming. We're not returning to be an emperor. We're not returning to being recovered unless we take these steps, unless we do the work that's outlined here and we put down our binge foods. 
That's the first step. But then we got to work through these steps like our life depends on it so that we can have the true freedom. And and it's breaking the 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 obsession, uh, the mental obsession and breaking down that self. And that's the true freedom that we get. And with that, I pass. And thank you, do L. And next we have Hyatt S. Hi, this is Chaya S. I'm from Chicago. Um, and I want to thank everyone for their shares because <laughs> what I initially wanted to say was said by others much more eloquently than I would ever able to say. Um, one other point that I, I wanted to bring out is that uh, I also, like Bill, um, had no conception about myself and my character defects and how this was affecting me and the people around me and and, and how far I was from um, recovery, how far I was from God. Here, this happened um, the day after he... um, the the stock market crashed. He people were jumping out of, of people were, were were dying. People were committing suicide because they couldn't face um, the 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 future. And they had and he was a broker. So many people had entrusted their money to him, and now they lost everything. And what does he do? The next morning he lease everything. He, he he calls up a friend. I have a solution for me. I don't care about anyone else. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to go to Camp Montreal. Life is good there. And by the next following, the following spring, we were living in our custom style. That's all that he cared about. He didn't care about um, ethics and, and, and godliness. He just wanted to, that life should be the way I want it to be. This is, you know, Mikhail's experience. I want life to be this way. I want to have what I want. And it doesn't really matter what I do that can cause suffering, it can cause suffering for other people as long as I, my distorted thinking was and sometimes continues to be since I am not haven't finished the 12 steps, but the distorted thinking is I just could have, if everything goes the way I want it to be, if I'm okay, then I won't eat, I'll be fine, and that's the end all. As long as high is okay, then then the world is good. And as so many other people have commented, he had a lot more to go before he recognized that he wasn't okay. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Hyatt S. And Bob S., This is Bob. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good. I wasn't sure you got my name. Uh, I'm Bob S. Compulsive Reader from Minnesota, and um, I'm going to concentrate just on the last two sentences. It kind of struck me um, how he wrote this, and he's telling a story of, of how bad it got for him, but uh, the, I guess the part that struck me uh, is how I would react to what he said at, but drinking caught up with me again and my generous friend had to let me go. This time I stayed broke. Um, 
to me that says that he's a man of that's recovered and that's practicing the 12 steps because I would think of the way I would react to that. It it would be more or less not generous friend had to let me go, but the SOB had to let me go and I'm broke. Why did he do that for me? So to me that it, uh, I don't know why, but it just, just kind of struck me that um, he had, he has that peace with himself and he's taken the responsibility of what he's done. And, uh, and it's not his friend's fault. It's his fault. And uh, tells me that at re at writing this, he's, he is a recovered person. And I don't know why it struck me, but that, that's what I see out of this. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Bob S. And who else would like to comment for approximately three minutes before moving on to the next paragraph? This is R. I heard R. Janice M. I heard that Janice M. Yes. Melissa C. Melissa C. Nessa R. Nessa R. Okay. I got you, Nessa R. You're the first person. Reva P. I heard a male voice. Greg E. Greg. Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Yes. Lois M. Lois M. Yes. Okay, this is who I have. Nessa R, Janice M, Melissa C, Reva P, Greg B, Chrissy G, and Lois M. Good morning, Nessa R. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R, uh, recovered in Toronto, Canada. Uh, these paragraphs tell me two things. Number one, it tells me that there is nothing wrong with my determination, with my willpower, with my abilities. But it also tells me that um, it doesn't matter because those are not enough. They're not enough to keep me abstinent, and they're definitely not enough to, um, to help me recover because if they were, um, I would have done it a long time ago and I wouldn't need Overeaters Anonymous, and yet here I am. Um, you know, um, to reiterate, I mean, this, this, uh, this disease is progressive, and for me, it progressed in the rooms of OA. It progressed in the rooms of OA to the, to the point that I became open-minded to try whatever I hadn't tried before because I had tried so many things out of the rooms and in the rooms. Of course, out of the rooms, I tried all the usual diets and therapies and exercise and all that. And inside the rooms, I had tried, you know, the fellowship and the tools and several different food plans and, you know, um, 90 meetings in 90 days, uh, speaking to three people a day, uh, going to three committed meetings, like all these, all these kinds of things, and nothing, nothing, nothing helped. Um, the only saving grace was that at least I wasn't gaining any weight, and I didn't leave. I didn't leave the rooms because I was afraid that if I left, 
there would be 400 pounds out there waiting for me. Um, but it was, it was just that progression that said, you know what, I haven't tried this. I haven't tried um, an entire abstinently, abstinent plan, you know, a truly honest, putting down of all my binge foods, my binge ingredients, my binge um, behaviors, 100% perfect, 100% of the time. Just like an alcoholic has to put down the alcohol 100% perfect, 100% of the time, or somebody who has a peanut allergy, you know, cannot go near peanuts. You know, I became open-minded to do that, and then I, I was taken through the steps. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, miracle of miracles, um, you know, recovery happened for me, uh, but it wasn't until the disease really opened my mind and said, you know, like I've tried everything I can think of in the rooms and out of the rooms. Um, you know, thank God, thank God for uh, my sponsor, thank God for these steps, these twelve steps, um, and thank God for recovery because it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful way to live. Um, and an easier, much easier way to live. And I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. And good morning, Janice M. And good morning to you, <clears throat> Santa. Good morning to you and everyone. If you could time me, please, because I don't have my timer. I'd appreciate that, and thank you. Okay, so you see, um, yeah, he, he is, his disease is progressing, of course, and of course, his his alcohol, his drinking was exciting. Remember, he was you know having a tan, and he was doing this, and he was making a lot of money. So alcohol was an excitement for him. But what we see now is what I see is, yeah, it doesn't matter if I am successful or I'm a failure. And this is what happened because his first failure was. The stock market crash. Now we see because his, my, my disease is progressing that he's losing his jobs. And boy, can I identify uh, with Bill here because, you see, I worked for my father. So my pride was so high, <laughs> so ridiculous that I said, well, I'll never lose my job. I can come in when I want to. You know, I can't get fired. Boy, oh, boy. How do you like that for an excuse? So it shows me, you know, that I try to manage my life. When it says unmanageability, my life is unmanageable, I always add by me because that's what I was always trying to do. I was trying to manage my life. I used to think, well, geez, my life is good, but I couldn't even manage how much I ate, when I ate, when I wanted to stop eating, when I wanted to start eating. I couldn't manage that because I didn't have the ability to. I was powerless, you know. Um, that that was the point. So my thinking and my feeling were the same, you know. Um, now what, what, what happened with me now, instead of me trying to control my eating, my life, my behaviors, they started to control me. And that's the problem that I had. I, you know, when somebody is controlling me, it's like a, like the kings and, you know, I'm like a slave. So we see that abstinence alone is not, is not recovery because, you know, I couldn't even control that. 
when I was abstinent. I would pick it up again. So you see, his, his drinking progressing to the point where he can no longer hold a job. But I had such denial. I said, so what? So I can quit when I want to, you know, as my disease continued to progress. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Janice M. Good morning, Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Sandra. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it, what what strikes me this morning is, like, you know, the paragraph before when all hell's breaking loose, of course, he goes to the bar. And now when he gets an opportunity, you know, and it's certainly all hell's not breaking loose now. In fact, he's back to living in, the you know, the life he's accustomed to. Um there's the drinking again, you know, and so my circumstances have nothing to do with my eating. You know, I mean, my eating is not reliant on my circumstances. My circumstances, of course, have everything to do with um, how I'm eating. But everything could be falling apart, and, yeah, of course I run to the food, or everything could be in my favor, and, and of course I'm running to the food. And, you know, um, it just shows me how it's me. It's me that's broken. You know, I can think, you know, about managing the rest of the world, putting the rest of the world um, in line, you know, that like that, um, the idea about running the show and, um, you know, setting the stage and putting the performers exactly where you want them. Only um, I create havoc no matter no matter what, I'm the one, um, that's the problem here. The common denominator here is me, you know, is him, whether things are falling apart or whether um, he's given a, an opportunity to write it. Um, he can't help himself but a drink. And I'm picturing, you know, he probably got a few warnings from his friend. His generous friend probably gave him a couple of, you know, friendly warnings, like, look, buddy, you're, you know, you got to cut it out. And, and even then, it's never enough. So it didn't matter what the consequences were. Um, my desire for the food overtakes everything. It, there's nothing reasonable about it. And, you know, it says here that the drink caught up with him. Um, I don't think that's how it happened. I think if you're not running from the drink, um, of course, it's going to catch up with you. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. And good morning to you, Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Yeah, where we just uh, left off the sharing, that sentence, that drinking caught up with me. First of all, I don't think the drinking ever left him. Um, it was always there, but he had the illusion that he beat it, um, and it was just catching up with him. And the whole image of catching up with me, um, for me, um, gives me the image that he was running. He was running away. Um, You're not going to get me. I'm going to run away. Um, And in abstinence only, I can do the same thing. When I feel fearful, resentful, something bothers me, you know, I actually heard before a program, just distract yourself, just be busy, 
um, and I can get busy, and I can run, um, and it doesn't work because it's there. I'm not running away from anything. And that's how I attacked my problems before a program. I would run. I would escape. I never wanted to sit still and feel. I never wanted to sit still. I didn't know how. I didn't have the tools um, to be still and, and pause and think and access the power greater than myself. That's only as a result of putting the the substance down and working the steps. And I think the second thing that struck me as was shared before is it's not the determination and ambition that's the problem. It's the misuse of it. And in the AA 12 and 12, it actually says right here, it is when I try to make my will conform with God's that I begin to use it rightly. And to me, this was a revelation. Like, what a concept. Um, never occurred to me before program. My whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. I had tried to bombard my problems, and I certainly bombarded them and tried harder and tried harder. Instead of attempting to bring my will into agreement with God's intention for me and to make this increasingly possible, is the purpose of always 12 steps. Um, and that's why I'm here. That's why I put the food down, and that's why I work my buns off in the steps so that I can know and pause and ask and get access to this power greater than myself. With that, I pass. Okay, thank you, Reva Thank King. you, Reva King. And good morning to and you, Greg. Good morning Greg. to you, Greg. Maggie from New York, recovering compulsive eater. Thank you for your service. Can you can I be heard? Yes. Uh, yeah, this reminds me of um, the day after. In other words, it's it, you know when when there's a tragedy, you know sometimes when tornadoes hit at night or there's a train wreck at night, when the cameras from the aerial view show the wreckage the next day, it's just devastating. And it's it's uh, the day after, you know. I'm, I've had so many day afters. Uh, I know for a lot of people, New Year's Day, you know, they make resolutions to to uh, go on their diet. I did this so many times, you know, the day after thanks, Thanksgiving is when I started. Uh, a lot of people start the day after New Year's, and. Um, this used to be one for me the day after because I didn't make it on New Year's, so I would always say after the Super Bowl, I'm gonna I'm gonna start my diet. You know, I could procrastinate all January and say, okay, the Super Bowl is one more big party, and the day after uh, is when you either face the wreckage or you run from it. And I think Bill ran from the wreckage. Uh, people were dying. There was a lot he could have done maybe to help people, and. This is what we do when we see the when the day after comes and we see the wreckage. It's either you accept it or you run from it. And I ran from it so many times. Uh, it's funny. I'm looking out my window today and it's it's, it's trash day, and I hear the trucks and uh, I I see a lot of trash out there. <laughs> Maybe it's because of Super Bowl or whatever, but. Um, it reminds me of the, you know you gather your tr- you know the program 
uh, allows you to gather the trash. You have to decide what you want to throw out and what you don't. And then you put it on the curb. You know, when I put the trash out on the curb, I don't have to worry about it then. The garbage man or the trash man or the sanitation department is the higher power. It's a power. I can take the trash out of the curb, but I can't take it away. That's where our higher power comes in. It's like the trash people are the higher power. I don't have a truck. I don't have, uh, you know, the wherewithal to get it to the where it's going to go. Only God can take away. But we have to bring it to the curb. We have to gather it up, face the wreckage, look at the mess, decide what we want to get rid of, and take it out and let our higher power be the one that eventually takes it away. And this is kind of what somebody said earlier, that, you know, Bill ran again and again. When you read this whole chapter, beginning of this chapter is, is just definitely so simple. It's about powerlessness. And, you know, he really still didn't realize that he, had, he was powerless yet. And it comes in stages for most people. You know, it has to be aware. You know, again, you have to surrender. So that's where I'm at. You know, I'm kind of looking at this, uh, you know, this first part of Bill's story is just, you want, sometimes you look at it and go, how could he, after what he just did, how could he go back to drinking again? You know, you just, and that's how we are. You know, we think that life happens. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And Greg, what's the initial of your last name again, please? Oh, e is an Edward. Okay. Greg E. Thank you so much. Okay, next we have is Chrissy G. Hi, good morning, Santa. It's Chrissy G. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good morning. Um, I'm Chrissy G., recovered in New Jersey. And I just wanted to share, because I've been feeling a lot of what Reva said this morning in terms of, like, the spiritual awakening and what that really means and to see the behavior um, Bill's behavior here and his thinking, and I relate so much to it, and it it also seems so foreign and strange to me too, because I don't I don't think that way anymore. To worry only about myself, you know, every man for himself, kind of living, living in survival mode, and not really being concerned about the greater good, just wanting my piece of the pie, literally and figuratively, and you know now the spiritual awakening, what the what the twelve steps does is to eliminate that that drive to to have success at all costs regardless of how it affects other people i i'm not i'm not um stripped of all my instincts and my desire to have comfort and to have the things that i need no it's more like they're they're um they're in their right proportion and that's what the 12 steps have done for me. And, it, and the part of the 12 and 12 that Reva shared about, just it just inspired me so much. And I was already thinking these thoughts and kind of having this feeling after this reading. And it just kind of put it in context for me and, and, and just outlines it so simply. Like, what are, we, what are the 12 steps for? You know, I need to eat because of the misery that I feel in the brain that I, I have the thoughts that it's me, 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 me. It's a sickening feeling because that's not how God made me to be. And I have to numb out the feelings that come up when I'm in that line of thinking. And when that thinking changes, the desire and the need to eat change. And I'm just so grateful for this program. And with that, I pass. 
And thank you, Chrissy G. And last, we'll have Lo Lois M. Yes, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. This is Lois M., Recovering Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. Good morning, everyone. I am so glad to be on the line. What a wonderful um, way for me to start my morning. Just fabulous. And um, I, didn't, I don't have the reading right in front of me, but I've heard it before, and I picked up on a lot of things. Um, you know, for me, when I um, stay, when I became still, I actually um, also, I related, you know, get more done. You know, this disease is such, it, it, it just spreads, and it spreads to all areas of my life on all levels. Um, and I know, for me, if I don't get better, I'm getting worse. You know, there's nowhere for me to go. If I'm not getting better, I'm going to get worse. And uh, there's no standing still. And it's, it's um, you know, just hearing the reading today, that's what, what I got out of it. I, um, I don't have to obsessively, you know, um, plunge forward and, and not stop. I need to trust the path, trust the way it was outlined, trust Bill's story, trust my higher power, and just one step at a time do, you know, just that. You know, work my program. I, I, the steps are key. Um, just keep praying to be in alignment with my higher powers will for me every day. And I'm getting, it's amazing because I only, I don't only have an obsessive, uh, you know, eating disorder. I have obsessive mind. And I, um, I really could, you know, my disease is there. You know, my disease is there. Um, the, 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 the food obsession is the physical outcome, but the disease is in between my ears. And so when I work on, you know, okay, just breathing and, you know, for instance, making the choice to stop my day thinking I don't have time, but actually when I do these things, I have more time, I've noticed in my life. I'm getting more time. It's, it's wonderful. Um, I'm a huge procrastinator. It's one of my character defects and just, you know, really digging in in a, at, at a good speed for me has really helped me so much. And, um, you know, because my thinking is directly related to my putting stuff in my mouth that doesn't belong there. Um, you know, it, it really is. And I, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful and I, um, I love having this in my pocket as I start my day when I go to work to think about the principles before personalities. Um, I'm at a time in my life where I'm thinking sometimes I should be doing something else. And I really want to trust that, yes, I need to take steps. I do have power over my choices, but I really want to um, keep seek seeking God's will for me you know, what is that? And I need to stay connected and aligned to do that. And I can't have my mind and my stomach with stuff that doesn't belong there. Just a reminder. Thank you. I'm not perfect, but I'm so happy that, um, you know, it's a journey. I'll never graduate. Um, for me, I'll always be recovering. You know, I hear people say recovered, and I don't, I'm not here to judge what other people say, but, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process and um I'm just I'm just grateful for that. So thank you. And thank you, Lois M. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leanne W., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only until the end, keep, keep you until then. Good morning. This is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, great. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.